Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Our guest today is Jim Valois. He is he holds a BA in theology from Franciscan University in Steubenville. His articles and book reviews have appeared in the Wanderer newspaper, Soul Magazine, which is the World Apostolate of Fatima, USA, and the Catholic Life Magazine. He became a revert to the Catholic faith from evangelicalism while a student at Franciscan. And today we're going to talk about Jim's new book, Our Lady's Prophecies, God's Messages for Over, for over Time. And Jim, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Um, so I, I love the book. It's very interesting. I, I was not aware of uh, of Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres. But before we get into that, did did the Virgin Mary play a part in your return to the church? And how has she how has she helped you since you've been back in the church? Yes, um, Our our Lady played a part. Uh, I used to pray the rosary when I was still Catholic, and then uh, I was praying that daily, um, and at the same time I was working out, you know, doing doing a workout. And, and so I feel like that played a key part, even though I had no knowledge of it when, when the time came when I came to the university and actually began to see people living, a, living out the Catholic faith. Yeah, it does make a difference when you see people actually living it, doesn't it, as opposed to uh, lip service. Exactly. That's what changed my perspective on what the, the well, I, I, I sort of had a favorability to to certain aspects of certain renewal movements going on within the church, but I but I was very um, much against a lot of the um, the doctrines of the church. Well, I guess, uh, and one of the bigger doctor, one of the bigger challenges for people coming into church, and I'm a convert myself, although I didn't, I didn't really struggle with it, but you know, just the whole idea of the Virgin Mary, and you know, the Immaculate Conception, the Assumption. It, I know that's hard for uh, evangelicals and other Protestants who like to put Mary kind of, you know, you can come up at, in the manger scene, but other than that, we don't want to hear about you anymore. Exactly right, and that's that was uh, an obstacle for me for a long time. Even after my my conversion, I found myself still struggling with the rosary until I began to understand on a deeper level that it was another way to connect with heaven, to connect with Our Lady. And so uh, it took it took time, though it took time for me to to change my views uh, on the rosary and many other related uh, teachings. Well, I think you know again she plays such an important part to bring us to her son. And you know this this book is really an interesting book. How did you stumble upon a nun from Ecuador from 400 years ago called Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres? Well, that's a, a very interesting question. Um, I actually watched a video, a DVD, and I read some things online with no intention of doing anything with it. But it was years later when uh, another door was closing that I felt the the light show, you know, came brilliantly on this door. 
and and I was told I felt real clearly to write this book. So I wrote this book uh, at that time, but I had known a little bit about this apparition, but not not enough to really um, to write the book at that point. I had to do a lot of research on this book. And and the Virgin Mary who who spoke to Mother. Uh, the title given her what is Our Lady of Good Success of the Purification. How did how did that name come about? Did you find that in research? Yes, I did. In fact, uh, it's known popularly as Our Lady of Good Success, but in recent times, the the, the religious sisters down in Ecuador uh, in Quito have asked that of the purification be added to give a fuller understanding that it's connected to, you know, the upcoming uh, candle mass. And so uh, that's that full title is the more appropriate title. And so when I found that that's what they preferred to use, I went ahead and used that title. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about the history of Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres, who is is now considered a servant of God, correct? Yes, she is right now being uh, studied, and look, her life is being studied closely uh, uh, because um, there's a real uh, conviction that she is a saint, and I believe that too. Um, And Mother Mariana was was a Spanish uh, woman who, at a very young age, um, had you know came to a relationship with our Lord, and so she was from uh, a part of Spain like northern Spain, where um, her family you know they were in the vineyard uh, uh, area, and so they were kind of in a farming business. Um, but mother um, mother wanted to go and join the a convent of the Conceptionists at a very early age and so she she her parents asked that she would stay in Spain but um mother mariana felt a real calling to uh to go to uh the new world which was of course uh, ecuador and south america and so that's where she decided to to embark on that journey with her aunt who was a, a conceptionist and um and four other uh, nuns and so I know she's a, a woman of deep faith, but when did the vision start? When did the Virgin Mary start appearing to her? It was relatively early in life, wasn't it? It was. Um, she started appearing in about 1582. And there's, you know, you could kind of debate that a bit because she had mystical experiences before that at her, you know, when she was, um, became a nun and in other times in her life. But um, the actual apparitions, I think we could trace them back to 1582 to about 1631, uh, or actually uh, 1634. So she had these apparitions over a long period of time, and these each one of them, or many of them, had to do with the 20th century. So they were specifically for our times that these apparitions uh, were given. And it's amazing. You know, we did a, a show, I don't know, a few months ago on Father Delinda Rotolo, who wrote the Surrender Prayer, who had 
uh, private revelation of the Virgin Mary, who and, and this was in the early 1900s, uh, but mm. also pointing to the same challenges that we see today. And that's why I guess when we, you know, to read your book and to hear about these private revelations, it should be no surprise that we're going through the challenges we are because we were warned, weren't we? We were. And I think a lot of people, one of the reasons I wrote the book is to educate a lot of Catholics that may not understand these dramatic um, times that we're living in, the the diabolical things, the blasphemies that, you know, even today I learned of another one coming out by a homosexual man that is um, a rapper. And so there's there's a lot of diabolical um, actions being taken, and I think a lot of Catholics might may not understand what in the world is happening in our times. And so I felt the need to get the message out and also to start start building upon there are other booklets and short uh, books on Our Lady, and even a longer a longer book from from quite some time ago, and so I felt like the need to add my voice to their voices so that this message could could get out. Well, and her warnings are not only from the threats outside the church, but also within the church, and that's you know seems to be a very common thread with this with private revelation that she's made. It's not only hey look out for communism and the things of, of you know that are coming externally, but even internally with the corruption of clergy and different things. It, we got to keep our head on a swivel because they're coming from all angles, aren't they? Yes, that's that's a really good way to put it because. You know, one minute we're dealing with the abuse crisis and you got 4% of the priests that have, uh, you know, somehow gotten through the the process. Uh, many of them, uh, we find, are um, have been sent into the Catholic Church specifically to infiltrate it. But these people that got through the vocations process, they uh, started to undermine the church. Now, some of them may have been recruited by others, and we don't know all the details of that yet. But one of the things that, uh, you know, from within the church, you have people trying to make the church accommodate to the world. And that's a, there's a very strong push from within the church to do that. Well, and, you know, whether it's Fatima or this revelation, right, the 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 focus and the dangers of communism, yet just just the other day, Pope Francis comes out and starts telling about how how we're you know we can unite with the communists over different things, right? Which it, it just kind of boggles the mind. And you and you talk about the saints, you know, whether it's Pope Pius the Eleventh or Pope Pius the Twelfth, who warned us about communism, you know, this you know anti God movement. Yet now we have even within the church trying to make it sound like we can walk arm in arm with them. Yeah, and, and and the sad thing is, we we cannot. Their ideology, as you and I know, is directly opposed to Christ and all that is good. And we can look at the 20th century as a perfect example. Uh, over a hundred million people have their lives have been snuffed out because of the various communist communist uh, regimes that have been in place in Russia, China, Vietnam, and many other uh, parts of the world. And even in our own country now, we can see how a, a new form of communism, you might call it an Americanization of communism, is taking place, and it is drawing people uh, far away from God. 
Well, it really is a danger and, and, you know, awareness is part of the battle, but we have to, you know, do the research, not just listen to what we hear on, uh, you know, social media or the news who tries to glamorize, you know, the destruction that communism has caused and continues to cause. Um, you know, you talk about a lot of different things in the book. And one of the things uh, Mother Mariana was called, you know, to be a victim of souls, kind of like Padre Pio. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, our, at one point when Mother Mariana was shown revelations, especially the revelations of what would come in, in, our, in the 20th century and then, of course, spill over into the 21st century, they were so dramatic and so diabolical, I believe, um, that she literally died. And there was a doctor in the convent, Dr. Sancho, who, you know, confirmed that she died. But our Lord offered her the opportunity, and Our Lady, if she would go back and be a victim soul for our time. So we have a nun from that century, 400 years ago, offering her life uh, for us in our time. And thanks be to God that she had such a pure and, and uh, pristine faith that she would do that. Well, I did I did have to chuckle. Uh, one of the uh, chapters of the book was ca- called the truly devout Catholic president, something uh, we would be nothing. We would not have any knowledge of uh, in our current mm-hmm. time, fortunately. But yes. uh, that was talking about a president of Ecuador. And it maybe does give hope that maybe one day we will actually have one of those. Yeah, I I would it would be a, a marvelous a marvelous thing because when uh, it happened, Our Lady predicted that about 250 years, actually more than 250 years, before that Catholic president uh, became president of Ecuador, and she told us that he would uh, he would be a martyr and he would die near the royal convent of the Conceptionists. Uh, right there in Quito, and I was at that square where 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 it happened, and in that place, you could see that uh, this um, this uh, president he did so much to build up his country that you could see that Catholicism and good secular leadership go hand in hand. If, if a person is truly wanting to take a leadership position, he should study Gabriel Garcia Moreno, that Catholic president from Ecuador. You know, also in the book, you talk about the miraculous statue uh, that mother was asked, I think, to carve, right? Shortly after becoming abbess, right? She was uh, she was asked after becoming abbess to to make that statue, and she put it off for a long time because she was concerned that the people would uh, think of it as an idol. Because remember, this was Ecuador back when it was the colony, you know, a colony, and it was not you know not a republic, and it was filled with a lot of people that had grown up with those superstitions. And so she was very concerned about people getting misled. So she put off making the statue. And yet Our Lady wanted that statue as a symbol of her governance of the convent and to show that she would protect them through unbelievable uh, calamities and numerous times when the government told them to evict that convent. 
Uh, it's amazing to me to see how many times our Lord and Our Lady prevented that from happening because God is all-powerful. And no matter what forces of evil were trying to pull those um, nuns out of that convent, they will not succeed. Well, it was also interesting, you know, to to battle against the struggles against doubt and, you know, obviously the challenges of the world when, you know, uh, that fall on anybody who's trying to be holy and faithful, right? She had visions of the archangels, right? St. Gabriel, St. Michael, and St. Raphael, correct? She did. She had visions of them, and she also saw St. Francis of Assisi. He was helping with uh, with a statue uh, when they did the final part part of it. But it was amazing, too, that in the process, there was a time of rejoicing. So, uh, you know, they, they knew that this was going to be a center, um, a place of refuge, if you will, a spiritual um, beachhead. But in the midst of it all, it was also a, a place of rejoicing because heaven had touched earth in that in that beautiful place. Well, we know struggles of doubt and, you know, um, we saw it in Mother Teresa, right, who had 50 years of desolation, but that faith and that love was always able to overcome it. And, you know, reading this book, I felt kind of the same same vibe, for lack of a better word, of of mother who was very faithful and and dealt with a lot of challenges, but remained steadfast. That's that's a probably the best word that I could think of to describe mother, and it sort of relates to our time too, because we are going to need to be steadfast in during these difficult days, and we can already see, uh, you know, the attack on children by trying to get them to be mutilated, um, the attack on children to get them to be human trafficked, and all the other attacks that are going on, um, we're going to be need to be steadfast in doing the work of the Lord. And, and no matter what comes our way or what comes through that door, if you will, we have to fight it. And if it's against, if it's against what is good for humanity and against what, against the church, then we know it's not going to benefit mankind and lead to human flourishing. Well, and you talk about in the book, right, the importance of ongoing conversion and vigilance, right, to kind of thwart the, you know, the attacks of the evil one. And you really can feel uh, evil in the world and you can see it, right? It's no longer hidden, although some still deny it. But this conversion and vigilance are, are essential if we're going to, you know, share the truth and not be afraid. That's very much true. And I think like the part where she talks that those who should speak remain silent. I think we have a dearth of silence. I know there's a lot of Americans that are getting on podcasts and starting radio stations and, and running radio stations and getting the word out, but there's many more that could be built because there's this great reservoir of wealth. And Our Lady said that many wealthy people will not be using their wealth wisely to advance the kingdom of God and that they need to change. So that's another area for conversion is the use of money. Well, and we see that in scripture, right? It's, you know, for somebody who's rich, it's easier for the eye, the camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? Because of the, the challenges and, and the corruption that wealth can bring, it doesn't necessarily, but if we're not, 
vigilant, then it can easily corrupt us. And we see we end up worshiping, you know, mammon instead of God, right? Yes, it's it, very much so. And it's, it's a temptation for all of us, because no matter where we're at on that continuum, uh, we all have to be vigilant to watch where we're putting our money and where we're putting our trust. Because, uh, you know, the, the kingdom of God, so much good could be done, Our Lady said, if the wealth were properly used. So part of the message of Our Lady of Good Success of the Purification is, okay, let's now bring out the howitzers. It is now time for rich men and wealthy people and people of all backgrounds to start putting their money where their faith is. Well, and I think, you know, reading the book, it, it, it does kind of remind you that, you know, it's easy to look to somebody else to lead and to and to do the hard work, but it really falls upon each and every one of us, right? Mother Torres was, you know, was nobody really anybody was aware of, but the Virgin Mary chose her to be a light. And we're called to be lights in our families and to and to lead within our families and communities, not to look, wait, and for somebody else to do it, because if we wait, it may never get done. That's so true, because I think a lot of people, they may not have bad intentions where they're, you know, they don't want to get involved. Sometimes it's concern for their reputation, or they might be, not certain of certain things. And yes, that can happen, but they still need to step out with the light that they have. And, and, and I need to step out. All of us need to step out and take the light that we've been given and do the mission that we've been called to do because every single Christian is called to a mission. Our baptismal call, as we know, is to be priests, prophets, and kings, to reign over ourselves to proclaim the word of God and to uh, intercede for the, the needs of our world. And so we already have our marching orders, and there's lots of encyclicals and uh, church documents that talk about the mission we already have. So that's very clear. But it is true how we can kind of let that slip aside and you kind of miss it or miss part of it because of a variety of reasons. And as a reminder, we're talking to uh, Jim Valois about his new book, Our Lady's Prophecies, God's Messages for Our Time, put out by Sophia Institute Press. You know, one of the things that is always a reminder is that the Virgin Mary is the perfection of all virtue. And the two that are kind of singled out here are the virtues of charity and humility and how important that is for each and every one of us. Yes, absolutely. And I think that what, that's one of the things I tried to bring out in the book was how much Our Lady wants to be close to us and protect us and guide us in the midst of this battle, because we're not waging this battle with human beings. This battle, it's a spiritual warfare, and we're, we're battling very um, uh, big intelligences and uh, demon spirits that have, um, have a lot of knowledge of, of certain things. And so we need Our Lady and we need the saints to help us to go into this battle with, the, uh, with the, all the equipment that God wants us to have. Well, the rosary being, you know, one of the spiritual weapons, but, 
you know, it's hard to imagine that, you know, Our Lady, who's also called the Terror of Demons, wouldn't be your number one choice to draw close to, to help not only protect us, but help guide us and, and lead us in that fight against evil. Absolutely. And I think part of it is, uh, like myself, you know, for a lot of years, I didn't really know a lot about Our Lady. And as I began to learn, I had to take a step of faith and keep learning. And I, I think that's what we all need to keep doing is keep learning so that we can understand that when we want to take the most powerful person from heaven, under, you know, apart from our Lord, uh, we want to go to Mary because she's the one without sin and we can get a lot of graces from her to understand things that we need to understand and to fight things we need to fight. But we do need to get into the fight as, as my friend uh, Jesse Romero has said, we need to get into the fight and uh, not sit back on in the bleachers sort of watching, uh, watching the church get uh, assailed. Well, that's kind of why we're called the church militant, right? We're not, we're not called the church observers. Uh, and the saints that went before us were the church militant, as was mother. So the, the example has been set. Their lives weren't easy, but the example is there for each and every one of us. Um, you know, as we wrap up, I know we, we only have a you know, minute or so left. What do you hope somebody who buys this book, what do you hope the takeaway is for them? Well, one thing I would hope, Jeff, is that they would understand that these crazy things that are happening in our culture have been predicted over 400 years ago by Our Lady to Mother Mariana, so that they would understand, don't give up, and don't think that these things are just happening because somehow we're coming to a deeper understanding of things. No, these were predicted, these uh, dreadful things that we're doing to young children, for example, uh, among many others, that these were predicted long ago, and that I would hope that they would be encouraged by that, and that they would also be encouraged by the coming restoration. I touched on it and do a chapter on it in the book. But uh, restoration is coming. Um, Our Lady's hour is on the verge of coming. And when that comes, victory over evil will, will be secured. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.